0: This podcast is for mature audiences only and may include cussing, cursing, fidgeting, rambling, insensitive or irreverent material, slurs, catchphrases, expressions, lamentations and or degradations that aren't suitable for young folk. Also, we'll be talking about the reefer. That wizard came from. Welcome to Purple Dungeon Squid, the podcast for gamers that toke. If you love the green and you love the screen, then you're in the right place, friend, because we're here to shoot the breeze on some dank strains and some sweet, sweet video games. This week on Purple Dungeon Squid, Andy and Dan get slapped around by some internet strangers on Fortnite. Uh, Mary Jane tackles how to be a more productive stoner. We played some other things, uh, some interesting jam from around the world of weed and uh, Bungie, backpedals on some Destiny nonsense. And, you know, plenty of other cool stuff. We'll, uh, we'll also be settling in for a smoke sesh with our strain and our munchie of the week. We're going to try not to get too high to remember to eat it this time. So stick around for that because it's going to be a good, good, good time. I'm your host, Andy. And with me, as always, is my good, good buddy, my buddy old pal, the dankest of the dank, dank, damn. Another week, another rant launched deep into the interweb. Deep. I'm eating guava and roasted Java. Ooh, boy, that was frisky. Launching deep into the interweb sounds like an impregnation. That sounds like what we're doing here is is overtly uh, intercoursal. I don't think that's a-, a real word. Andy, if I were to ask you, do you feel do you feel horny for this episode? Yeah, I do. I've got a tingling uh, in my nether regions, in my loins, as uh, as the late Robert Baratheon would say. S- 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 sorry, spoilers. Jesus, I'm sorry. still on. I'm on season one, episode four. You just <laughs> fucked me. <laughs> you just fucked me at a party. The irony is, is that I'm actually still on season one, episode four, which is a real, a real shame, a real crime, you might even say, because I do love Game of Thrones. I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. I've read all of the books except for the most recent one. So not all of the books, but you get where you get where I'm going with this. And uh, for some reason, my wife and I will flip on Game of Thrones and we'll get like four episodes deep, and then some life-changing event will happen, and we'll, like, we'll just not have time for it anymore. It's very strange, and also, again, a tragedy.
1: You know, um, it's one of those things where I thought to myself, you must be dodging spoilers left and right. Uh, but then, I mean, you've been reading the book, so in a way, you've been ahead of the game for quite some time. You're, you're of the the elite... The ultra-elite that does, oh, where are you in the series? Mm, The books, though? Are the books
0: better, Andy? Um, you know what? I I couldn't say because I haven't seen more than four episodes. I love it. I love (laughs) it. (laughs) I mean, listen, I'm a reader. I like to read, um, you know, reading fantasy books is, uh, is a, a nerdy guilty pleasure of mine, but Hey, we're on a weed and video game podcast. So no shame here friends. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a scenario where I believe that the books will likely end up being better than the movie or the, sorry, the TV series, just because I don't know, you know, you had movies and all that stuff. But, um, you know i do definitely plan on watching that show as soon as i can uh, as soon as i can convince my wife to sit down yet again and give it another give it another shot so when it comes to spoilers in this in this in this manner in this era
1: of spoilers i've adopted a new strategy to address them okay and it's this i let I... my own mind just forget it so if i hear a thing that i don't want to know I just don't make a big deal out of it. It watches out of my brain.
0: Wow, you know that, what is I mean? quite, that is a skill, my friend. you just you can get rid. Of, you can do all sorts of shit with that very unique ability. Childhood trauma. see you later.
1: Just let it happen. like you see a thing or don't see it. you just I, you just forget that you heard it. Don't note it. I think it's the expectation of having um spoiler trauma that really locks it in, right? because mm. you hear that you hear that juicy piece of information. You resist it, you hate it, you fixate on the person that jammed up your whole afternoon, and you know, you permanentize it. When really, maybe you should just think about um, some products you'd like to purchase or how good toffee is and just let that shit just flow right through you. What do you
0: think? Let it mellow. And I do love a good toffee. Uh, speaking of which, it's funny that you're hitting on that wavelength. I got some, I got a unique British munchie here today. That I'm super excited about. Yeah, I don't, there's words on it that sound really British and I don't understand yet, but we can get to that a little later. I, I really agree with your strategy. The ability to just let a, let a thing go is, uh, that's some, that's some Zen. That's some Zen shit there, Dan. Well played. Thank you. Um,
1: and it's totally selfish. Do you know what I mean? That's just for Dan.
0: Yeah. Okay. I got you. I got you. Sounds like it could be a really useful skill in like a relationship. Having a short memory, it's an important thing sometimes. Uh, you know what? I'll drink to that. Yeah, I'll drink to that too. So how are you doing, Dan? What's been going on for you these past, oh, seven days since we last sat down in the, uh, in the Purple Dungeon Squid Layer? Remote, again, unfortunately, our schedules have, uh, we've had a hard time lining them up, so we're, we're remote also. But I think I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable with you not being in the same room as me. Okay, you were, okay. You know yeah, what? You were, I'm you were like, a security, that, you were like I'm a security blanket that... for me.
1: I'm just gonna let that uh, spoiler style wash right over me, not take that personally. Yeah, no, no I'm No, I, 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 I
0: genuinely, I genuinely am, am, am upset and saddened by the fact that we're not in uh, in present company. And Easy. and and you were, like I said, you were my, you were my security blanket when we, when we, you know, first voyaged off into the brave new world of podcasting. Uh, but now I feel like I've, you know, I'm a, I'm a grown man. I've, uh, I've got some hair on my chest. I got some miles on my shoes. We're episode five already. It's, it's time to go. It's go mm-hmm. time.
1: We take, we take the, uh, you know, the, the training wheels off our podcast and, uh, and just let what happens happens. Andy, about, about my week, can, can, do I have permission to get a little bit Canadian on you? Um,
0: always. Winter has landed. It's you here. Know, <laughs> so so uh, we're going to talk about the weather. All right, please. This Listen, must be a good one.
1: I, I mean, if it was a balmy 15 degrees and like I just want to remind you that my mom said let's wear a jacket, like I'd leave that. I just You'd leave, leave that on home. the stoop. But winter has landed here in, in, in beautiful uh, Canada. And uh, today, as I was voyaging on my way to my vocation at, uh, let's call it 4.30 in the morning. Details on that, never. Um, but uh, the highway was glistening with thick snow. And something happens in, in Canada because we have four seasons, um, June, July, August, and winter. People kind of forget... <laughs> that what winter is kind of like, it seems, because um, uh, what I had out there is just sort of like a bumper car, drift track style uh, avoidance uh, oh, yeah. uh, routine where I, I dodged a, a white Hyundai. I dipped b- behind uh, a, a misguided Prius. Um, I, I exchanged looks with one of our Ontario Provincial Police it was like, hey, I'd pull that guy over, but I got too much else going on. Um, I actually came to a full stop to avoid hitting a guy who decided he was going to go off the highway. But when he saw the four or five cars that had slid off the highway, he's like, nah, I'm going to come back on at what I like to call a 90-degree angle um, to the roadway. And I was like, that's a bold strategy. I'm going to try not to kill you with my car.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah man it's like you know the first snow of every year is always terrifying for me not because it's necessarily the most severe from a weather perspective but let right. me tell you about two things number one nobody's got snow tires on yet i don't That's have snow right. tires on yet shame on me hope my insurance agent isn't listening dan, dan has you got the, uh, you got snow the, tires. Tires on. the second right. thing is the second thing is is that um you know everybody just freaks out and turns it into mario kart like i, I don't know man you get out there it's it's a brave new world so yeah i was but, wondering what that green turtle shell was about
1: that makes so much sense now
0: it does yeah And you know, just just to go back to an early sta- earlier statement you made about the snow glistening. if it's glistening at 4:30 in the morning, that isn't snow, my friend. that is black fucking ice. Now it, that's, that's interesting because it's white. But why do we
1: call it black ice? Why don't we call it white ice? Is it because white ice?
0: Sounds like like a refreshing peppermint beverage. To me, and White black. Ice White Ice sounds like a, a real real solid rap group from the 90s. Uh, how about this? How about this? Like like a, a special blend of uh, methamphetamine. <laughs> Fuck methamphetamines. Let's let's think of three other things like, that like, White Ice could be. It could be it could be a limited edition PlayStation.
1: Okay, I like that. Um, it could be like a 1980s elite ski boot.
0: Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah, with complete with like pink, jagged lettering. It could also be the name of a guitar belonging to Axl Rose. Um that's like that's so perfect. I don't think I could pitch
1: another one. We but can't I'm going we can't to, talk I'm, that. I'm gonna anyway. Um it's the it's the um uh giant polar bear at the end of your like retros eighties throwback game he's the boss and uh he's got like a pretty slick updo going on it's like a
0: shock of hair and uh, shock of hair up yep and then it it ends in a flat top that's right a sharp flat top i like that i like that good yeah i think that's uh that's the the newest game coming out from purple dungeon squid media uh stay tuned for that in late 2029 if we make it there um Yeah, man. Well, I mean, it's uh, for sure. It's cold as fuck. uh, And I'm drinking exclusively holiday beverages. I have to come clean. I I just I blurted it out. But um, I'm having a real personal issue where I've stopped drinking water. I've stopped drinking coffee. The holidays have got into my vein and water has been replaced by eggnog and coffee has been replaced by hot chocolate. I feel like Will Ferrell and Elf. Oh, Jesus. uh, Does your wife know CPR? I know. I, like there is so much sugar in my body at one time. It's like we were talking, you know, I mean, you, you, you think about the amount of sugar that needs to be in a glass of water for it to be no longer homogeneous. I think that's the word that I learned in seventh grade. Um, I, the, my blood's got that going on right now. There are crystals flowing through my veins of pure uh, unrefined cane sugar. So, I mean, I mean, just to be clear, eggnog
1: is cake without the, the stove. Do you know what I mean? Like you could pour that into That's a so pan true. and you pour that in a pan, you know, add some chocolate chips and you got yourself a nice bun cake. Here's a question. And, and this is a
0: little off topic. We're going to swing right back. Andy, right now, do you have a pie in the oven? I don't, I don't have a pie in the oven. Uh, it is probably the first, uh, the first time in a long time. Can I come clean
1: about something? Go ahead. I was angry at you for always having pies in the oven while we're talking. Because it's hard to be present while well, you got some pastries
0: just like uh waiting to be overcooked, but now that it's
1: not in now
0: that it's not in the oven, I miss it, yeah, well, you know what as as are you know many many things in life, like the overbearing boss right the uh you know the the horrible horrible experience you had at university, sure you know, it's like well, was it through... wasn't that bad on a lonely night, maybe you missed it, yeah, maybe you wish maybe you wish brad would
1: would tackle you one more time. <laughs>
0: yeah, maybe you maybe you wish uh, maybe you wish Phil would give you a call on Saturday morning and ask you to come in. One, you know, sometimes Just, it's it's like Stockholm syndrome but in reverse.
1: You want Brad to do that thing where he calls you, says, "You said you'd be on Saturday." And you're like, "No, Brad, it's my anniversary." He's like, "Well, you shouldn't have committed to it then." And you're like, "Well, <laughs> I'm 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 25 and I need this job." So,
0: see you in 15 See you in fifteen, Brad. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, you know, I had a had an experience this morning that was similarly frustrating, although completely unrelated. Um, I was on the train, as I always am, and uh, today because of this, you know, winter fuck show, um, trains dead stop for about an hour. And wouldn't you know it? This is the one day I had both a dead phone, no battery on my laptop, and had forgotten my three DS at work. So, and it, I, I came across a unique feeling, and anybody who's technologically inclined. Uh, can probably relate to this. It's when you have no technology around you and you feel like your life is meaningless. Have you ever experienced that profound sadness? Um, I noticed that if I don't have some gear of some kind around, I'm like, I suddenly, like
1: my brain suddenly rediscovers social interaction. You like start scanning around. You're like, there's
0: someone here for me to talk to. Uh, well, that's what uh, happens. Right. That's what happened for me. I I struck up a conversation with an absolute stranger beside me, but he didn't really want to talk because he was too busy playing some, you know, Marvel puzzle game on his Android tablet. Right. He's got he's got Iron Man
1: and Unibeam's blasting gems. He doesn't need your fucking small talk.
0: Well, it was Um, weird. It was like it was like I had transcended the Matrix and I was trying to get someone else to take the blue or the, the red or the orange, whatever the pill is with me. No one wanted to take that fucking pill. And what it manifested as was, hey, man, do you have an iPhone charger? And almost everyone else said, no, nah, sorry, it's in use. In the, in the skin in my brain, you're like trying to free these
1: people from the iron grip of the matrix that has them. And you're starting to panic. And, and you're like, hey, you know, don't you see what it's doing to you? And as, as you're freaking out, you like realize your DS is in your pocket. You're like, oh, never mind.
0: Never mind. Yeah, no, no, no. I'd love, I'd lo- please just hook me up with some of that technology and away we go. Yeah, it's quite the thing. Um, speaking of getting hooked up with technology, I had the shittiest, like the, the utmost shittiest retail experience of all time this past week. May, may I vent? Oh, hit me. So, Electronic Boutique, which is EB Games, which is the Canadian equivalent of GameStop, um, is, a, is a dying beast. I think we can all agree they're diversifying into I don't know vinyl toys and plastic dolls and board games because nobody wants to fucking buy physical copies of games except for Dank Dan, right? Yeah, and I so, bought a cake mixer from them last week. They really are diversifying. They're like, "Hey, uh, you know if you want to uh, if you want to grab that new copy of uh, Horizon Zero Dawn the uh, the expansion, you can trade in your vehicle." <laughs> it's, <laughs> like, it's like it's a it's a real fuck show over there. And you know, I mean, here's the thing. Here, here's what I here's what I like to think in my mind okay yes this is a franchise yes it's done me the dirty in the past but this is probably owned by a local person in my town who's like you know trying to supply trying to supply us with some video games so maybe i should get in there you know maybe i'll buy a game or two it was black friday um a little while ago which is when this experience happened and you know just just go in there and pump a little cash into their dying retail beast see i like in do. this story you're gracing them with your presence i already love that okay but, keep going. i'm sorry i come from the world where when a customer rolls into your place of work or your business or decides they want to do business with you you grovel at their feet until they throw money at you I think that that really should be the, the acceptable model for uh, for retail in general anyway let me continue um, I roll into this place and there's not a soul in there it is like we're talking graveyard we're talking you know this is just the the, the depressing retail scene that has become all too common I'm sure uh, these days in the world of downloadable stuff from the PlayStation Network and you know whatever amazon so You know, I roll into this place. They've got things on sale. Near Automata, forty dollars Canadian. You know, down from whatever seventy something. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm sitting, standing in the front of the store. Yeah, this is this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pick up Near Automata. I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna play this. I'm gonna have a physical copy. And you know, maybe I'm gonna do some more business here. Like this was nice. I got a physical copy. Like maybe I can go over here and peruse some of these vinyl dolls. I'm gonna walk out of here with like some sort of eighteen dollar plastic samus, I'm okay with all of this. And what I what I was struck by was the the crippling silence with the exception of not one, not two, but three sales associates standing behind the cash, sharing a gaff with one another. Just just chatting, just having a good time. And I thought, okay, well, that's all right. You know, they're, they're in the middle of a story, whatever. So I continue circling around. I walk past the toys before deciding that, you know, buying any of those would be a, a severe waste of money. Um, roll into the back, you know, take a look at some of the other games going on. And it strikes me, I'm, I'm the only customer in the store walking around with a $40 game in my hand. No one has said anything. And like two minutes, three minutes, five minutes go by, and I'm starting to be like quite noticeable, but they're just jamming out behind the cash. And it was at that point that my experience went from, you know, supporting a local business and getting my hobby on to, oh, I've fallen into a den of antisocial neckbeards, and boy, do I ever not want to be associated with these people. And so, you know, I, I crept back to the front, placed the game back on the shelf, and walked out completely unmolested. No no conversation. No, hey, can I help you with something, sir? No, hey, you picked up near Automata. By the way, we've got a great deal on controllers. Why don't you come on over here and I'll sell you like five? Nothing. So I think that was the final nail in the coffin of retail for me. I think I'm finished. I think it's over. Done. Uh, I, I, uh, wow. I mean, it, it's interesting
1: because it's, some people, their least favorite thing is when the sales associate says, uh, is there anything, that, uh, anything I can help you with uh, by the... We got a sale on that we got two for one we had 19 95 on the you know what i mean and and i wonder if eb as an organization what is what do you think the top sales associate gets at the end of the quarter that uh that you know uh bangs out that the highest uh the highest profit the highest sort of uh, materials, uh, I, you
0: know, I, I, don't, I don't know if they get a, uh, you know, a commemorative mug. I don't know if they get less beatings than the rest of their fellow staff. Um, but what I do know is they should be providing the basic level of service. Like, Hey man, what's up? Let me know if I can give you a hand. I'm not saying that I expected to roll in there and get the fucking Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Like I appreciate a good sales you pitch. You didn't. You didn't, you didn't. But I know that everyone doesn't. Be
1: closed at every moment
0: necessarily. I didn't need to be closed. I don't mind that shit. Just I recognized
1: it. as a human inside the environs of the electronics boutique.
0: Yeah, and you know, the more I'm thinking about it, the less it is about the sales pitch. Like, I mean, like I can appreciate someone trying to give me some service and let me know about what's cool and what's hot. Like, I like that, but I appreciate that not everybody wants that. Sometimes people want to roll in, they don't want to be social, they want to get their near automatic and get the fuck out. That's fine, but but don't don't be in your little retail clique. Don't like yeah. don't make me feel like a fucking like a like a like a fart in an elevator. Don't don't just <laughs> don't give me that. that. It was it was a bad you know experience. What? It felt it felt like like. Maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's because I was in my work clothes or something like that. Like, oh, this dude doesn't belong here. Where's well, your fucking shitty band t-shirt and your, and your crappy pants? Things. You're underestimating
1: your staggering good looks. You're a, 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 a Greek man of some striking composure. And, um, you know, the proper etiquette for them was someone to peel off of their three-man attack group and engage you in just the mildest dogfight of a conversation you know just to uh remove any illusion that you are totally ethereal and transparent a ghost haunting these electronics boutique
0: yeah man it was like i was uh, anyway i felt like a piece of trash blown off the street and you know realistically that's all you got as a retail store that's all you got right. now you're not competing right. on price that not you're definitely not competing on price no. you're not competing on variety because Lord knows I can get way more variety online. I want to find a shitty indie game. Believe me, I can find it on PlayStation Steam Network a lot, a lot faster than in your shitty bin, right? Steam it up. Steam it up, whatever. The, what I've got is I've got rolling into EB Games or GameStop and feeling like the people behind the cash get me. Feeling yeah. like the people behind the cash give a shit whether I buy near Automata or not, because I know PlayStation Network doesn't give a fuck. They get their receipt, they flip that over to me, and it's all gravy in the where's, in the old PlayStation bank account. Where's but, the community? Yeah, where's where's Phil, the local owner who wants to uh, wants to make sure that I buy Kay. my games there quarterly and trade in my automobile after I pick them up. You know, where, That's where's right. that?
1: Let me let me just let me give a quick counter, and uh, uh, this is I'm something heated. Can you hear? I'm heated. I'm feeling. I heated. feel it, buddy. I feel the heat. So in my, in my local EB, I rolled in there, and I was eyeing up uh, a Castlevania game. Uh, I, forget, I forget exactly which one, whether it's like Spire of Regret or like Tomb of Infinite Sadness. or. No, it sounds, sounds about accurate. Right. Uh, but I was looking at it, and I was like, do I buy this? This could be anywhere from great to abysmal. And the guy behind the, the counter, uh, Phil, he goes, oh, it's a great game. And I go, uh, I'm not convinced, Phil. Phil, tell me, tell me, is this a great game? He's like, it is a great game, and if you go and give it a couple hours and you don't love it, bring it back, no charge. And I was like, okay, Phil, all right. And uh, brought it home, didn't love it, didn't bring it back, because I am Canadian.
0: But yes. it was a nice gesture, right? No, it was, it was. He was, it he was, was a nice too gesture. nice for me to return
1: it, and uh, I think I played it, it's one of my shortest. It was it was an Andy play session. I was, was two good. and a half hours in, and I said, "No, thank you, good night."
0: Yeah, but you weren't mad about it. I bet you still look look back fondly on your time with Phil. Oh, I do, I do. Yeah. I would I would help Phil uh, change a tire at the side of the road. Absolutely, and you'd be happy to because he gave you service, and that's what you were looking for. Anyway, I'm enough just about to uh, be serviced, Andy. Yeah, well, aren't we all? Aren't we all? Oh, dear. And now for our sponsors. This episode of Purple Dungeon Squid is brought to you by Weed and Video Games, friends, because, well, we don't have any real sponsors yet, but uh, I believe it's the thought that counts unless you're actually looking to pay for, you know, I don't know, server costs or websites and shit like that. But hey, who needs to do any of that? This episode is brought to you by the gentle sizzling of meat. Because your testosterone is rising. Brought to you by a round of golf with your father-in-law. Probably the only good one I'll hit all day, right? <laughs> uh, brought to you by painting your walls milky brown. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's,
0: there's no better sound than that. I, I I say this because I you know I pulled it didn't pull this out of my head. I walked into a condo recently. The walls had been painted an off-putting color of like tan, kind of like a, a like a like a yellowy beige. I don't know. Horrible, yeah, may I? Like vomit may I really?
1: Something. May I really quick? It's mm-hmm. like uh, salad fingers. It's like. Have you seen my milky brown wall? <laughs> Come closer to my milky brown.
0: Oh, that's that's a, little, that's a little more old Greg than salad fingers, no? Um, that's no, I feel I feel comfortable with that being salad fingers. Okay, I'm there. I'm I'm, I'm creamy beige. Yeah, there's there's the there's the uh, the bouche. There you go. Brought to you by getting a spray tan because now white sofas are your enemy. <laughs> Same thing with wearing raw denim uh, covered previously. Brought to you finally, by watching adult videos where the girls never show up. No, 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 they're co- they're coming. No,
1: I, I think I think they're just they're just warming' but hey,
0: Oh) <laughs> uh, And the question is, who are you talking to? Is that an inner monologue, or are you just speaking to your bro and you guys are watching an adult video with no chicks?
1: Listen, I have never been one to like saddle up with with my good buddy and, no, and put that's on, just put on a, a good, you know, skin jockey or whatever, but like it's uh that's an inner monologue, but that is something that is done. Some gentlemen uh make it a a group activity. I think that's maybe just reserved for quiet time, unless it's appropriately hilarious at the appropriate event. So if it's a bachelor party and you have some like Hungarian midget
0: porn happening, good. If yeah, it's I, just like some vanilla, like one-on-one missionary style, awkward. Awkward, super awkward. awkward. I, I wanna, I wanna avoid this conversation always. I think um, we're done already. I think that's it. I have one, fo- one footnote. We were, we were uh, back in uh, probably 2000, and I want to say 2006. Yep. Uh, it was maybe 2007 raiding Karazhan uh, in World of Warcraft with, uh, with the whole guild. Yep, that's all. That's about nine other people. And our raid leader gives us uh, gives us a solid rick roll in uh, in the chat there, uh, to which nine other people all click into um, a, a private screening of Two Girls One Cup, and oh, uh, ooh, oh. boy, that don't, was uh, go, folks mm. folks at home don't Google it. It was nothing but nothing but raid wipes from there on out.
1: Oh, that that that's haunting. That the one gift. will throw you off your game. The gift that keeps on
0: giving. If you want to actually sponsor the show, feel free to email us at purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. Until then, you'll have to put up with all of this nonsense. I'm in. I'm into it. <whistles> all righty then. Well, Dan, you and I had the pleasant opportunity to play some uh, some video games with one another this week. That was, a, that was a neat experience. What do you think? Online, and, and Andy and Dan. Fortnite. oh Fortnite! all the nights yeah so dan and i have been decidedly late to this uh to this player sorry what, what is it the battle royale thing that's been going on That's all I was talking about player unknowns battlegrounds the uh the massive hunger games-esque game where you and a hundred other people are thrown into a map and must uh, duke it out for last man standing um i don't know i mean what were your initial like so let me ask you because I've not, I've not been particularly stoked on the idea of this. Is this something that you were looking at uh, experimenting with previous or what?
1: Um, you know, it, it's I've been watching it from afar, and it's one of these games that you know in the genre. I've been watching people playing with like a rising interest, and you know it's funny because it, it feels a little bit old school. It feels a little bit like harkening back to. Um, CS 1.0, like that type of feel. Sit down, that land feel, everybody hops in. You know, there's some difference in, in in the setup and and you know, fifty versus fifty is different than you know, eight versus eight. Um, but it, it has that nostalgia for me. What do you think?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think so. I think if I can maybe try and put a point on what I what I believe you're conveying here is it's just it's got that rough like the whole genre and, and really the whole genre right now, I believe, is pretty much player unknown's battlegrounds which i have not played and Fortnite, uh, which well, of course we did just play, they have that rough around the edges kind of feel. It feels like a game that was kind of cobbled together and I know Player Unknown's Battlegrounds uh, has that same feeling. In fact, despite the fact that they've made millions and millions and millions of dollars, at this point they're still, you know, fixing some fundamental architecture of the game like bug exploits and all sorts of shit that makes it almost nigh unplayable if, if you know, if the other podcasts and forums of the world can be believed. But yeah, it has that like pioneering feeling of like an early Counter Strike, I got you. I feel you on that one. Well, and it, what's interesting is they're both in
1: pre-release. Both of them, uh, they're you know, there's this embracing of games being released in their alpha and beta state for wild, wide consumption. So you got tons of people playing an unfinished game, um, you know, and pretty happily doing it. Uh, what's fascinating too is both of these, uh, both uh, Player Unknown and Fortnite, they use the same engine.
0: Uh, that, Epic that's games, awkward though, isn't it? <laughs> that's like, that's Epic, like, well, that's like a, Epic that's games like a faux pas. It, that, yeah. That's, it's, it's awkward, man. So uh, before we dive into talking about Fortnite a little bit, um, you know, player unknown battlegrounds, whether or not, you know, the, the idea of a bunch of people thrown on a map and last man standing is original again, you know, it feels, feels, feels like, uh, like a hunger games, looks like a hundred hunger games probably is a hunger games, but, um, they actually, license the player on un- the player unknown's battlegrounds engine which is the unreal engine from epic games who are the people that created fortnite and to take it one step further fortnite is not originally a battle royale game fortnite is a zombie survival game in the vein of like a uh, a call of duty um you know that the zomb- what is it the zombies mode just a, an extra mode in a in the call of duty series right yeah yeah. So it's in the vein of that, although it includes some, you know, some some um, uh, some systems for players to kind of build walls and structures and create cover. It's It's got this kind of blizzard feel, but we can talk about that in a minute. So. Fortnite is released in, you know, pre-release uh, as this zombie survival game and PUBG goes and does its thing and blows up and everyone's playing it and loving it and streaming it and doing all those things. And then (laughs) then Epic Games goes ahead and says, oh, yeah, by the way, we're doing this Battle Royale thing with Fortnite. And I imagine that pissed off two people. I imagine, A, it pissed off the people who were excited about Fortnite being what it's going to be because it's very clear at this point, or at least it seems at this point, that they're going to continue along on this Battle Royale path. I'm sure sacrificing some of the resources that would have gone to the other mode. And secondly, probably I can't imagine the PUBG folks are too pumped about it because, uh, you know, they're it's it's their licensor, so it's kind of awkward. But at the same time, they're kind of piggybacking on their success. I don't know. It's kind of a mess, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's like, um, you know, getting sold flour,
1: making an awesome, you know, new type of muffin. And then the guy that sold you the flour is like, fuck it, I'm going to make that muffin, too. You know, they sold saw something that was really successful. And and uh, you know baked it into their own game, and uh, the reaction from Player Unknown was very much like uh, we see like a disturbing uh, amount of our game mechanics in your game, uh, and we'd like to pursue legal action, but um, we also don't want you to pull our ticket, uh, you know. Yeah. So it has this this weird this weird relationship, and I, I would actually argue that. You're, you're one or the other in, in the sense that um, Player Unknown has got more of a simulation feel and um, Fortnite has more of that cartoony feel that differentiates them. And I, I wonder, Andy,
0: given the opportunity, which side of the fence do you fall on? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I don't really know because again, I haven't played Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, but I'm tending towards thinking that Fortnite is is uh, is the you know the side of the fence that I want to be on. And up, so here's the thing they've done: they've made it free, <laughs> right? So Player Unknown Battlegrounds, I think uh, twenty nine bucks or thirty nine bucks or something like that. Certainly not insurmountable. A great deal for a great game. But then you've got Fortnite on the other side of the fence. That's like literally nothing. No money. Just download it. Um, so, you know, it's, boy, they've scooped up a lot of folks. The servers are full all the time. Like, you roll in there and you can find a match in seconds. It, it would be hard to think that they're not scooping some business, if not, you know, a nice chunk of business from PUBG, you know? No question. But, they, you know, truthfully, they do feel like very different games. So if we're going to, like, the fundamentals of it, it's, yeah, you're right. PUBG seems like, more again, more of a simulation kind of uh, style game where you're looking at, um, you know, guns that look and feel more realistic. I, I think I'm sorry, I'm extrapolating here because I haven't played the game. But Fortnite is decidedly in the opposite direction. You can like bounce super high on tires, and you've got you know weapons that no, little to no recoil. You're just like you're out there, you're you're doing your thing in a more arcadey style of shooter. And plus, it looks like a Blizzard game, doesn't it? Like the yeah, uh, it's new school
1: uh, animation, no question.
0: Yeah, no doubt. So it's it's got this like colorful, kind of campy looking thing. You know, here's the thing. I wouldn't probably play PUBG with my kids standing around because, you know, it's a little bit more of a maybe more frightening, more realistic a, style game. As a father. As a father. Let me let me pull <laughs> that one out. But I would 100% play uh play Fortnite cuz it just it looks it looks cartoony and very pleasant. That's not to underscore the fact that it is an extremely tense Extreme, uh, extremely um, stressful game to play that lacks no depth. So, you know, I mean, we can go into it a little bit here. Um, Let me ask you something, though. How do you feel about the one major differentiator of of Fortnite, which is the ability to build stuff? It's like this Minecraftian twist where you can go in and like you can so spread around the the randomly generated map. There are structures and and buses and different you know things that you can take your pickaxe to and generate resources so that you can build your own walls and and you know uh, floors and ceilings and stuff like that on the map which is strange because, you know, the game isn't focused around base building or anything like that, but the way it's employed, it's like, you know, you could be charging after someone, taking some shots at them, and they can very rapidly put up two walls that will be built in a, a matter of seconds. And now you've got like terrain between each other. How, how do you feel about that? Are you liking it? Um, it it's a, it's an interesting mechanic, right? Because uh,
1: the nature of the game is you have that continuously closing circle of engagement. So, you know, uh, uh unless you're already in the center circle, you can't really build like start a base and just camp there. So that's off the table. So whatever you're building um, is either a way to get somewhere or it's a temporary, a temporary solution for cover. And, you know, just watching it in the game, I see, you know, uh, a lot of guys using it to get to places where they know there are great items, whether it be the attic or some uh, unit on stilts. Um, or um, they're using it for like this very temporary cover, but, you kind of put a flag up because the, the structures you're building kind of flashes you're building them and that will really catch your eye. Um, and, uh, you know, playing the 10 or 20 rounds that I played, a lot of my kills came from seeing a glint, you know, of construction in the corner of my eye, uh, pulling out a sniper rifle and popping somebody in the dome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, there's no doubt there. In fact, I've actively avoided building anything because you'll notice as you're going through the map again that you know the session play sessions last for like 20 to 25 minutes so you know yeah i think you're a little bit better at this game than i am <laughs> <laughs> um, well the place yeah, the, the play sessions typically last that long if you're in it and you're not getting popped off at the beginning and it usually tends to go one or the other but uh you know you'll, you'll as you're going through the map and progressing more towards the center because again that map gets smaller and smaller over time you'll see people have like built stairs and stuff to cross over, you know, mountains or, or cross over rivers or whatever. And I'm really reluctant to do that, because I know as I'm building it, anybody who's kind of running in the same direction as me, maybe far away, wouldn't notice just me, is definitely going to see that construction going up as it's going up. So it's, it's, I haven't really toyed with it too much, to be honest. That said, I did get into a very tense endgame scenario, where one dude had totally turtled himself up in this base that he had kind of built himself in the center of the map. Um and you know he he did a pretty darn good job defending it because he was ultimately the winner so it's 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 definitely a unique thing that PUBG doesn't have I think that that specific element could probably especially if it becomes more and more fleshed out be a pretty major differentiator for this game from PUBG you know what I mean yeah I, yeah I entirely do and you know what I think I'm playing
1: um, PUBG in in a little bit of a different way so you know here's how some of my my sessions have gone. Uh, you know, I start, I pick up a weapon, I kill one guy, maybe two, and I get popped in the back and I feel frustrated and, you know, and I'm like, I was jumping into new matches really quickly and, 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 you know, having a similar experience and I got, I, it's like, I was kind of struggling on where to go next. And I go, I noticed you could spectate. So after you're killed, you, you are automatically spectating on the guy who killed you. And I just went with it. And what I found was a lot of the times, right after that guy killed me by popping me in the back, thirty seconds later he himself was popped in the back, and the great circle of life continued.
0: But sorry, you're talking about you're talking about Fortnite, right? Because you just said PUBG. Sorry, did I say PUBG? Yeah, it's all good, it's all good. You're you're talking about Fortnite. I do mean Fortnite. So um, what I
1: ended up doing, because I think you can do this in Fortnite too, or PUBG as well, but I ended up doing is continuing that lineage of following spectating through the whole match of whoever was killed. I, whoever kills the guy who killed you, then you start watching him and you, you sort of go through that and you make your way to the end. And it, it is actually kind of satisfying. Not only inevitably, even whether the guy who killed you seeing him get capped, you're like, yeah, you get it. Yeah. You eat it. You know, you know, he got his, or if he goes to the end, you're like, Oh, I was part of the, the, the great Epic. So, you know, it, that's cool. It, it's an interesting, I've been like enjoying playing the game like that. Um, mm-hmm. And it makes me feel a little bit less frustrated about how, like how they did me like that. I'm like, oh, that's how you're going to do me in the back. You know, but <laughs> when you see 50 other people get get gathered in such a way, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit less vexing.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. I got you. I actually haven't watched any, I just jumped back into a game. I haven't done that spectating thing, but it sounds like, it sounds like that could be quite cathartic. Um, you know, what I've noticed is the game doesn't really reward hiding it out. So I've, I, should, I, should, I should quantify this. I spent a lot of the early matches like really being sneaky right? Being real sneaky. And you actually can get very far into the round by just not really getting in confrontation with other people. And if I'm thinking about how I would actually tackle this issue, if it was like a real life thing, that's my move. I wait for everybody else to kill everybody else. And then I like pop the guy at the end. That would be my move. But it's interesting how this game doesn't really reward that because A, you're constantly having to move towards the middle of the map. Um, Which means, you know, inevitably you're going to run across someone. And if you've spent all your time like crouching and moving from tree to tree, and they've spent all of their time jumping into attics or trying to find weapons, going to those contested spots where the weapons are going to be, they're very much likely going to be way more outfitted to kill you than you are to kill them. and. Weapons can make a big, great deal of difference in this game. There's, um, you know, different rarity levels. I won't go too deep into it, but if you end up with some green and some blue and some maybe even purple weapons by the end of the match, you know you're really reluctant to lose those, and the only way you're not losing them is if you've been capping people all match long and your trigger finger is warm if you get to the end of that match, which I've done many times and you haven't killed anyone the whole the whole time, you're rusty, man. There's no way that you're gonna have the adrenaline required or the uh you know the the reflexes tuned in to actually make that final kill. you know what i mean
1: yeah you know what I do, and the the, the first movers get a little bit of a benefit to the on the mechanic of of the closing circle because if I've moved first and I'm in the center and I know that you're needing to advance in I I can sort of uh track you coming in and get that opportunity to make that shot where you're kind of having to run towards the center um uh, you know kind of scanning um for 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 uh, hostiles but you know I think that really the advantage goes to the first mover on that one
0: Yeah I would agree with you on that You know um so I mean listen I We've had a lot of fun in Fortnite. The mode we have had fun together in was duo. And I think you can play in a group of up to five. And so it'll pair you with other groups of like two, for example. So what I really liked about it, just to put a fine cap on that, is that duo mode makes for... Pretty much an entirely different experience. Playing single player and it's, you know, one versus the other 99 people that are in the map, you're relying on yourself, you're, you know, you're, you're doing the sneak thing and generally speaking, when you're coming across another person, odds are good that they're by themselves because they're not, you know, being tagged along by someone else. Whereas in duo mode, There's a couple things. First and foremost, you now have the ability to set up ambushes. You know, one guy can kind of lure you towards the spot that he wants you to try and cap him. And the other guy can come out from behind you and, 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 you know, put a bullet in your head. Um, You can cover each other while you're harvesting, which is huge because anytime I'm in single player and I'm trying to like, you know, get some wood or get some steel or whatever, I'm always feeling very vulnerable because I don't have a gun out. Vulnerable with your single player wood? Oh, yeah, Well, you know, I mean, listen, that's the only way to get in the mood, my friend. And then, uh, you know, the, the final thing is, is whenever you see a player, you know, with a good degree of certainty that there's probably another person around. Um, and so it just, it adds a new dimension. I'm, I'm really excited to try it in larger groups. I think that that, again, will add a greater degree of dimension to the game. I just, I'm overwhelmed with how much I love this game and the fact that it's free is like blowing my mind a little bit right now.
1: Uh, you know, content just handed to you always you feel suspicious when it, it ends up being good, too. I mean, that's that's a boon. Yeah, the la- I,
0: I call that a hell. Yeah. The last time I was this pumped about a free game was like Wolfenstein enemy territory for my first good gaming PC back in like 2004. <laughs> you know I mean? Right. You know, Came with your so- video card. No, no, it came with an, uh, with an issue of PC Gamer. Um, oh. And uh, yeah, did love that one. So let me ask you, um, do you think it's a newbie-friendly game? How, how, how would you rate it for, like, folks who just want to dive in and get going?
1: Yeah, I mean, accessible. Um, I, I, one thing that was daunting to me was the construction to begin with, but they do a good job of not making it too crunchy. So uh, just with a little bit of toying around by round five or six, I kind of got the, the general thrust of the, the, the building phase, the yeah, building
0: you- mode. And you don't really need to grok it, grok. Wow. Look at me. (laughs) You really don't need to, (laughs) you you don't need to grasp it until you you can get to a decent point in the round without ever doing any construction or anything like that. So I don't think it's necessary. Uh, What do you think? 420 friendly? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would say yes as well. It's a little too like stressful and attention focused for, I don't know, uh, like a deep indica You you probably don't want a couch lock chilled out indica because it's just kind of at odds with that. But if you've got like a cerebral sativa, um, my personal pick for that uh, for that realm of 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 nugs is MK Ultra. I do I do like that one uh, for this particular kind of game. Um, And yeah, yeah, it just kind of help you ride the adrenaline wave a little bit. You know what I mean? I do. Makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm Mhm. Yeah. So um, speaking of riding waves, well, we got to get better at the segway thing, Dan. Hey, who's we, white man? <laughs> I I know, man. I know. But well, fuck the segue. So I was checking out an article a little earlier on this week. It's actually a video, and uh, I thought it was gonna be super lame, to be honest with you. It was called Be a More Productive Stoner. It was on MaryJane.com. And you know, I take umbrage with that statement a little bit This is how
1: this is the new thing, right? Because culture has been taking so long demonizing the stoner. Because nobody of anybody, no one of any legitimate ilk could come forward in society and say, "Hey, I smoke pot and I'm a Nobel laureate or I'm a I'm a, a you know a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist." They all had to hide. So the only guys that could come out was your your loser cousin Dwayne, who was, <laughs> if he wasn't gonna ruin his life on uh, uh, you know uh, a weed, it was gonna be scratch tickets or. You know, whatever it happens to be. Hey, guys, no offense to any Dwayne's just the name I pulled out.
0: Dwayne, I love um, you, buddy.
1: But uh, but yeah, this is like the slow shedding of that old skin of of stigmatizing uh, the use of this wonderful, wonderful herb.
0: Yeah, man, 100%. And it's like, you know, it's so funny because you you actually get down to the numbers of how many people smoke weed. It's a lot of people in Canada. It's like 10% more people smoke weed here than people who smoke cigarettes and that's staggering and what's also crazy is that's only people who have reported that they smoke weed knowing that it's still federally illegal so like you know you've got a you got a large chunk of uh, of the of the population that's actively using cannabis and at the same time you've got this mental image of a stoner being like yeah and I'm again it's not not my image it's not your image but like you know uh, the someone who might want to look at it in that light or the mainstream would probably look at it like Dwayne you know like oh, some dude in a in an old band shirt who doesn't have a job and blah 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 and that's that's obviously very clearly bullshit right that's not that's not the only guy that smokes weed and so Mary Jane god bless them took a crack at like creating this article that married the idea of uh you know being a cannabis user and also, you know, taking a, a, a personal growth or a self-help angle at it, right? How could you be a highly productive stoner? And it was actually, it was kind of a cool article. So I want to touch on a couple things that they talked about. It was actually a video. I I keep saying article, but it was a video. Um, so they, they went through a couple bullet points of, if you're going to consume cannabis, what can you do to make yourself more productive, more adulty, you know what I mean? More, 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 um, or I should say not more, but uh, how to not use cannabis in a in a way that will impact your daily performance. I guess is the I guess is the message. So can we say peak uh, peak optimization
1: of your productivity and cannabis life?
0: Yeah, incorporating cannabis into your being a being an adult badass. Yeah, there <laughs> yeah, it is. There you go. We landed on something at some point. Um, yeah, so, okay, let me just dive into a couple of points that they made. So the first one is, it's interesting. The first one is write lists and plan your day. And I almost hit the stop button at that point. I was like, oh, that is... That is the most general bit of productivity nonsense that I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, well, I mean, wheel it back. Productivity nonsense, no. Productivity like like
1: very general point for sure. Do right. lists help? Come on. You you ever write a list, buddy, to get yourself on track?
0: Oh, I I actually would go a step further and say that list writing is, or or planning your day. Let's be let's be very, again, very general here. Is absolutely critical to getting anything done. At least for me, but you know, I mean, because as the scuba divers say,
1: you plan the dive and you dive the plan. Right. That's that's how you know you're on track.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and like it like, but again, it just seems so painfully obvious. It's like, I you know, I want to start saving more money. And you're like, Okay, well maybe you want to kick that, you know, forty dollar a day lottery habit. <laughs> you know, like it's just it just it seems seems self evident. But what it, I found I think I think that's where you're coming from, you know, because you're a list guy, right? But I'm if a list you weren't guy. a list guy, wouldn't you want somebody to mention a list to you? Yeah. You know what, you're yeah. right. So fuck me for being such a, an elitist little prick. You piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, but, so just, just bearing with the list, the list part of things, you know, I think that it's, it is a general life top tip, but it definitely goes doubly so if you, if you partake in cannabis. Because what I know about cannabis is it can be a literal time warp. Have you ever had that experience of like, you know, you, you, you dose a little bit of cannabis, and all of a sudden it's like three hours later and you've been, you know, watching YouTube videos that entire time? I've definitely had that experience.
1: Uh, a man guilty.
0: Guilty is charged. So you know, having a list, having something prepared, having a, a you know a series of tasks that need to happen in that day, I can see that being a useful thing. Doubly so again if you've smoked. the The second the second tip that they had again for for being more productive, for for being more on your game, is ensuring that you're pairing eating healthy with cannabis. This was the second time I almost pressed the stop button. I'm like, okay, we went from from making lists to eating healthy. <laughs> like, like, how general. But if you dive in a little bit deeper, being prepared with, like, some good nutrition throughout the day, challenging thing to do, but, but you know, I think we can probably agree, makes your day go a whole lot smoother. You're less grumpy, you're less prone to mood swings, you're less prone to, like, low blood sugar and kind of crawling through the day until you can find a bagel and then having, you know, another shitty part of your day because you've ingested nothing but a bagel. Um, but when you eat, when you consume cannabis, the number one thing that that happens to me is that I start to want to eat salty, fatty, sweet foods. I want a bag of chips, and if there's nothing around me that can, uh, you know, that can be consumed with some decent nutritional value, there's a good chance that the first place I'm stopping is, you know, a gas station for for that for that hit of sugar. Are, are, are you on the same page? Um, you know what? Uh, I I get that. I really really do. And you know, there's
1: a quiet brilliance in this and and you got a couple more points here but what a brilliant way to like if you're like a deep weed guy that needs like a little bit of ratcheting up in terms of the organization of his life what a great way to like sneak in what is pretty like if you focused in on optimization pretty elementary common sense stuff but sometimes that's all we need you know, mm. I, it's funny, uh, even, you know, myself who's put some work into that kind of thing, it's like, I go make a list and I'm that guy who's like, I know list making is really important, but now I'm just not going to do it. Cause I already know that, you know, <laughs> just as if knowing a list is useful is, is the same impact of actually writing that list, Right. You know that hole that you can fall, fall into.
0: Of course. I know exactly the hole. I fall into it all the time. It's the, it's the, yeah, that's something that I do in my life, but I'm not doing it right now because I know that thing. Yeah, that and you'll even tell somebody you're like, oh
1: man, you really need to really you need to schedule all your time. It'll really show you your gaps. They're like, cool. Um what do you got scheduled right now? You're like, oh no, 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 I'm full of shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about you, my dude. That was no, some no, advice. That's, just, <laughs> that's just for you. For me over here, free balling it. Free balling it, yeah. Well, I mean, so so. Being prepared means that, you know, maybe you don't eat a whole box of two-bite brownies <laughs> when you get baked. And if you're going to be, like, let's be real, if you're going to be consuming cannabis on the regular and that inclination to go after some, some you know, some gnarly snacks is, uh, is going to be happening on the regular, yeah, that can impact you pretty negatively, I'd say. So what, what so, uh, spitball with me. What are some good snacks that you could, uh, you could, you could keep handy, maybe travel-sized uh, to keep you going and to, uh, to dip into when you, when you get the munch?
1: This is so key because if you, this is one of those things where here, here's the,
0: here's the cliched
1: saying, if, if you fill the plan, you plan to fail diets, the big one, whether you're blazing or not, if you don't have a food solution, you're going to go to your lowest common denominator and you're going to be dank Dan crushing a Cinnabon at 1 PM in union station. And that's a fail. Yeah, that's a fail on a Wednesday. It doesn't um, matter.
0: It doesn't matter what you're looking like that day. You might as well be wearing sweatpants.
1: I mean you've 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 hit a bottom rung, and not to say never enjoy saint cinnamon um cinnamon roll Saint cinnamon, get at me for a promo uh but <laughs> you know you just you just you just you don't want that to be the the snare that catches you. so my game is is bag of almonds bag uh, of almonds. Whether Good one. It's almonds or it's cashews that's key um also, if you can get a nutrient dense um protein bar. Uh, there are some really, really great, um, bison jerky ones out there. Uh, mm-hmm. the names are not right off the top of my head, but just amazing, uh, grass fed, uh, uh, bison meat in this delicious bar form, or, you know, go mainstream with, uh, a cliff bar, yeah, 70% cliff bar? organic sure. non GMO. Uh, you know, uh, it does have like a fair amount of carbs in it. But in terms of you know four bites of nutrient dense goodness, it'll get
0: you there. It'll get you there. Yeah, I, I'm 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 partial to um, <clears throat> carrot sticks. I don't know. It's it's like there's something about you know being a little baked and chewing on some the crunch of a carrot that just that has something there and you know you can eat a whole bag and feel pretty good about it because uh, generally speaking that's what happens you go until oh what happened to the bag <laughs> you know so carrot sticks are carrot sticks are clutch for me you, you like a crunch you get a crunch out of it you get that's, a crunch that's out of a it. big selling point mm-hmm, mm-hmm. beef jerky I think we can we can be both aligned on the beef jerky thing though I'm a big beef jerky fan. Um, you know, I mean, free range, organic, all that stuff. That's all good and well. Uh, and, you know, generally speaking, if, if it's beef jerky, it's probably better than a you know, bag of, I don't know, Lay's. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think that those are, some, those are some good options. The other thing, though, the other thing, though, the other side of this whole, like, being prepared for when the munchies strike and not, you know, becoming a bag of shit is what you're drinking. Because I'll tell you, one of my biggest downfalls, I don't drink soda at all. Right, I'm just not a soda guy. I never have been. I'm not a Gatorade guy. I'm not a juice guy. I pretty much drink water and coffee all the time. And, you know, I'm not saying that that's fantastic, but whatever it is, what it is. Um, when I'm, when I'm baked and I walk into like a grocery store or like the Chinese Mart on the corner, I am so likely to pick up the interesting looking soda or like the weird <laughs> beverage because I just want to try it. You know what I mean? But that can get, that can get real bad in a hurry. You know, I can get real bad in a hurry because all of a sudden every day you're, you're picking up a strange soda um, and we, you know, you, you pop one of those bad boys in, it's a shitload of calories and a bunch of sugar, right? Having water handy is so helpful because oftentimes you have a couple sips of water, it lessens your hunger a little bit, you're more apt to like sit down and actually eat those carrot sticks as opposed to tossing the bag in the garbage and picking up a hot dog. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is your experience, but um, sometimes uh, blazing
1: drives me out of a little bit and that water is so key i'll get you know the thirsty the dry mouth all that stuff um and you know the the reward you get from st- staying well hydrated girls is that warm glow to your skin so
0: key uh at this time of year uh look for looking your best yeah and on the upswing you know uh men and women out there someone might ask you if you're pregnant oh, oh,
1: oh just because like you're not crushing a a labat blue No, I heard warm glow.
0: I thought pregnant. Oh, right, 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 right. Pregnant with great ideas. Speaking of great ideas, um, the next point was getting up early. So I, I generally abhor getting up early, although I have to get up early most days. But I will say one thing about getting up early. Obviously, it's not the peak of productivity when you roll out of bed at 11 a.m. That's not a thing. And for most people who are working, that's usually not the, uh, not the reality unless, you know, they're in an industry where that kind of thing flies. And if that's the case, it can still feel kind of shitty getting out of bed that late. I know I was a server at one point and my shift didn't start till 1 p.m. Um, you know, I, I would often get out of bed that late. And I just, ah, uh, the day just seemed, you know, kind of lost. So one thing I can say that helps me get up early personally Smoking a little bit of sleepy time weed before bed, Dan. I know that in the past you've said you don't feel the greatest when you wake up in the morning after a little toke. But you know, with the right with the right dosing, can you, can we agree that it can put you into a deeper sleep and kind of help you wake up more refreshed? Because that's been my experience.
1: I feel like you've backed me into a corner on this question.
0: I mean, I've just said can we agree? Because I wanted a yes, Dan, not a no.
1: No, all right, 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 Andy. I think you're right about that. <laughs>
0: yeah, but all bullshit aside, like. For me, it, it's like I'll give you an example. I woke up at six a.m. You woke up at three a.m. I smoked a little weed last night. I woke up feeling refreshed. You didn't smoke any weed. Were you refreshed, Dan, at three a.m.?
1: Um, you know what, buddy? I, I've I've tuned my body to a good spot where I wake up and I'm alert and awake and, and ready to go. Um, I do I do a quick a quick little physical thing in the morning just to get myself jiving. But I you know I'm not I'm not very groggy in the morning from from that sense, especially on a work day. Mm. Um, and you know I I. I I've been sort of following a lot of the sleep studies around marijuana, and one of them uh, indicates that uh, short-term marijuana use will definitely put you in a, different, diff- a deeper and quicker REM state. However, uh, prolonged use can have the opposite effect, and uh, it can actually uh, worsen sleep states. Uh, so, you know, I stay away from that as a, as, a, as a sort of a sleep aid, although, you know, individual. If it, if it works for you, if you love it, it's your jam for, for sure. You know, I hear that when folks go off marijuana, there's a short dip in their ability to sleep. Um, but then, um, they, they return to a, uh, an increased, uh, more restful state. And that's, that's kind of where I stay. I try not to, to go to bed, uh, too uh, emblazoned out of my mind, uh, just because I do wake up with a little bit of a weed hangover.
0: That's so weird, man. I have the exact opposite experience. And, and to be fair, you know, I've had a lot of Um, a lot of years without, you know, without consuming cannabis and, you know, a decent while at this point, you know, consuming it. And, and I just, I find that, and I don't smoke every night. It's not my jam, but when I, the nights that I do smoke, I wake up like ready to take on the world. Maybe it's the dosing. You know, I tend to be a bigger fan of like dosing small amounts of cannabis as opposed to, you know, doing big bong rips or anything like that. Um, But yeah, I wake up like mentally alert and ready to go and feeling like you know, even if I only got six hours or something like that or four hours feeling like I got a full eight. So yeah, I guess it is it is kind of individual kind of know your body and, and check it out. But it, it can definitely be helpful for some people, I'd imagine. Also, yeah, if you're one I, of those people highly that have individual a Yeah, totally. If you're one of those people that have a hard time falling asleep, I would I would reckon, I would hazard a guess that, you know, whatever the impact of long term cannabis use for going to sleep is, it's A, probably a hell of a lot better than, you know, dosing with any sort of sleeping pill. B, um, probably still better than doing something natural like melatonin, because that that, you know, that that really does actually fuck with the the Well when um, you say natural, the fact that your body makes it endogenously doesn't mean that it's
1: natural to dose yourself with it you know? true um you know you, you really want to get be careful when it comes to that neurochemistry and you know i've rarely found anything that's uh more effective with less uh side effects than you know exercise <laughs> 45 minutes before bed and then you know 10 minutes of meditation that's going to sort you out in a way that that i can't describe like i know i know sure. we're coming at this for the real serious ilk but uh but man uh it's a powerful shift uh in mental well-being
0: I agree with you. I also think that there are people out there who could, you know, maybe do those things or can do those things. I've actually never had an issue falling asleep, but I know a lot of people that do. And I also know a lot of people that use cannabis to help them fall asleep after years of dealing with either insomnia. um, We're we're not talking about, you know, dysfunctional people. We're talking about people who do the aforementioned things that you mentioned. I don't know about the meditation. I've never asked, but, you know, have gone to the gym, you know, regularly, uh, eat a great balanced diet, have a healthy work life, a great relationship, and just cannot sleep for the life of them a little bit of cannabis before bed so helpful to them life changing in many cases. so yeah I mean again, point well taken, totally an individual thing and at the same time, I think there's a real case there for people who maybe need a little bit of assistance getting to sleep. Um, I'm no doctor, but again i would I would I would go a out on a limb here and say definitely a fuckload better than sleeping pills, and you know probably much better than uh, than the melatonin thing. I've had a bad experience with melatonin. I used it for several years, um, just here and there sporadically, and I always found that it would fuck with my sleep cycles.
1: Well, it'll set your it can move your your circadian rhythm sort of off point, point. and you know whether it's uh, sleeping late or uh, making it so the normal time that you wake up you're way deep in a cycle. So when you wake up, you're incredibly groggy, um, mm-hmm. you know, because if you're waking at the same time, many times in a week, you know, five days a week, you're waking at the same time, your body's rhythm sort of attunes to that and, and adjusts that. Taking melatonin um, can can sort of throw that off, off kilter. So you, you wake up in the middle of a REM cycle and you're this weird zombie person Right. Um, that's, you know, confused and, uh, and agitated and <laughs> it gets kind of <laughs> gnarly. Um, you know, and it, what, what I find, uh, uh, kind of neat on the sleep side is there's so many different, um, strategies to go at it. And some, some people swear by a method and it just works them and, you know, you know, it won't work for you. I was reading a, a study at a university of Toronto that was talking about, uh, a strategy, um, with syllableism where they, Uh, had a lot of success with folks with insomnia, having them repeat, like, say words in their mind that start with the same letter, Mm -hmm. like uh, sensation, symbol, sarcastic, sardonic, like, in their mind, and repeating those would would lull them into a sleep state and then into a a REM state very quickly. And I'm like, what a strange uh, psychological mechanism. Like, you know, why... Why does that work? Why why does what does it lull into and it's like it's it's like an advanced form of counting sheep, you know, and it obviously taps something into the the lingual side of the mind that's um maybe a little bit more passive than counting, because have you ever tried to
0: count sheep just because you heard it was a thing? You know, maybe when you were a kid? Oh, I not only have I tried counting sheep, I have counted sheep and had a great a great deal of success falling asleep. Oh, it's just see, there you go. Works for you. Didn't work for me. The one
1: thing that that I always go to if I am in a, a little bit of a you know an activated state, can't sleep, I'll do three deep breaths. And then uh, I don't know about you, but I used to bike around my neighborhood a lot. I used to have a paper route when I was a kid. And so I, in my mind, bike around my neighborhood, my old neighborhood. All the houses are familiar. I know the route. And I just go through that process. And usually before
0: I get to the bottom of Westwood, um, I'm out. Yeah no I get you know what it's 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 fascinating I mean, we've gone pretty deep on sleep theory here, so I don't know welcome to the sleep podcast now it's uh, it's it's really an interesting thing because you know I'm having just so much success right now with cannabis, and at the same time, for sure, like those things are very valid strategies. And I think just I, I just want to say that I don't think they're exclusive. I think you can incorporate. I personally feel with my own, you know, my own results that you, that I can incorporate cannabis with those things. There's just this like warm sensation that I get when I've when I've you know uh, consumed a nice indica, and it's like 45 minutes later, and I'm slipping into bed, um, and you know I just I just don't have a tr- any trouble getting to sleep. And if I did, I would employ those other methods. And I feel like those could be, you know, enhanced by the, the kind of my, mental state that cannabis puts me in. So it's interesting. Again, know your body, no recommendations here from a team of, you know, non-doctors, non, uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, um, I think there's some, there's some merit in all of it, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Going deep, deep, deep. Um, (laughs) Let's switch over to video games, man. I did tell you what, I bought a game I haven't told you about yet. And I'm really excited. I'm not gonna, you know, go too deep into it on this, this episode, because I haven't really played it much. But I picked up Persona 5. Are you familiar with with the with the series? I am I am familiar with the Persona series. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, the persona just, you know, for, as a quick little, you knew, all right, very, I guess I don't know who the fuck I'm telling now, but, (laughs) but persona is this, um, this JRPG, I guess I'm on a bit of a JRPG kick, uh, that occurs again, from what I understand, usually in and around the, um, the life of a Japanese teenager. And it's like, set in, uh, like a high school kind of setting. And all of those things that I just ticked off are generally a real good reason for me not to play a game. Right. But persona five has been really, um, really well reviewed. And so, you know, I, I decided I wanted to give it a go. I'm about 30 minutes or 35 minutes in. Um, but it's, it's apparently a, a 100 hour game. So like A ridiculous amount of content. B, apparently the story is just awesome. Like, the characters that are introduced um, have a real, you know, a real bond together. And you really start to, you know, get the sense of that as you make uh, contact with these people through what's apparently a very evolved, like, social system in the game. Like, uh, half of the game is dungeon crawling in, like, these extra-dimensional... Again, I'm just speaking off of what I've read on like Kotaku about it, right? These extra dimensional worlds you can go to and like conquer demons and shit. And then the other half of it, which, you know, you're choosing to spend time working on relationships and like working on, you know, friendships and doing kind of normal day to day stuff. Seems like a really interesting dichotomy. So you've played the last couple games. Maybe you can tell me a bit more about the series because I just don't know.
1: Yeah, not at all, Uh, but my brother uh, was big into the Persona series, and what you got is, uh, uh, it's it's interesting, because you have like a Final Fantasy style battle system in in general that's been brought into a more contemporary setting with deep uh, tones into sort of um, the mental states of the characters, and, you know, I remember one of the, some of the characters being like, to initiate their attacks, they shoot themselves in the head to like get them into a certain state, Uh, you know, excuse me. So uh, a very, very interesting stylistic uh, game, uh, and uh, what I I hear sort of people raving about is the score, the music Mm. um, from this game, which plays right into the the pacing of the combat and everything. People have just been really going over the top about it. A little bit of a splash about Persona 5, people were streaming it uh, in their Twitch channels Um, at the release and was one of these first games where people were getting DMCA'd which means that the company has said hey that's our copyrighted material don't put it on the internet Um, you know just streaming the game uh, after it was released to the public and you know there's a big splash on that and and sort of made people ask the question you know how um, solid am I as a Twitch streamer in my ability to continue to make revenue especially if I get DMCA'd a couple of times you know, especially if there's a policy that says that might end my channel. So that that gave Persona a little bit of a splash, and you wonder if they're what their thought is if they're wanting to protect um, spoilers for the game, or you know, because if your game's good, you think you want people to see it. You know, maybe their reasoning was uh, if people see it be played, they don't they don't necessarily need to buy it themselves. Um, you know, but just looking at it, it's a great game and it it made me want to pick it up more, not less.
0: Yeah. I I feel that, you know, again, just, just knowing what I know about the game so far and like getting a sense for the beginning of the, of the, the opening of the game, a lot of what they've done is some actual Japanese animation, right? You've got some cutscenes that are very clearly done, um, you know, uh, by professional animators. And what I'm trying to get at here is that the game, like many JRPGs, plays with a very strong story focus. And many times it almost feels like you're watching a movie, right? Like an interactive movie that then cuts to like, you know, you're in your overland and you're walking around through alleys or you're doing your combat or whatever. But then you've got these very strong, very pronounced story beats where you're having in-depth conversations with these characters that could, you know, at some point you forget a little bit that you're playing a game. It's like watching a, you know, a good anime or something like that that right and so I could see how streaming it you know similarly to bravely default which I'm still playing right now the story is kind of what keeps you glued in it's what keeps you locked in the the you know the battle system is is fun but only because of the you know the I, I don't know how to describe it the it's one part visual and one part like habitual anyway I won't go too deep into that but with JRPGs in general, but specifically with Persona, they've spent so much time on crafting not just a good story, but like surrounding animation and and really powerful visuals to support that story, that I could see that if I spent a lot of time watching a streamer, um, you know, play the game through the first 10, 15, 20 hours, I might not want to do that because I already know all the story beats, right? Especially it's in such a story focused developers game.
1: Developers deal with
0: their content being rolled out in a way that they didn't
1: necessarily intend. You know the, what it? Because I mean, I don't. I don't know if you ever had this growing up, but did you have a friend that you played video games with? And that if it was two players, you guys would both play. But if it was one player,s you trade back and forth, but of one course. of you would play more than the other.
0: That's the, uh, that's the quintessential way to play video games with your fucking neighbor.
1: You know what I mean? There's a watcher and there's a player, and mm-hmm. you know, if you're both wanting to have the driver's seat. You know, then there's a little bit of contention. You have to make it, you know, every death. Well, I died so quick there. So do we switch now or do we do it by time? You know, but if you ha- have someone that's happy to be a passenger on a great game, uh, that's 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 a nice little balance, right? And so yeah, that's oh, what yeah. Twitch is to me. It's like all those passengers of games, they love gaming, but they kind of want to see it uh, reflected off the face of, you know, a, a streamer that makes sense to them. They say funny things. They play it in a funny way. Um, you know, it's, it's that, you know, blasted out in, into the masses. And I think that's, I think that's interesting and was I think it's unexpected by most developers.
0: Yeah, I mean, so at this point, I don't think we could say it's unexpected because even before Twitch saw its rise, you know, people were posting gameplay videos to YouTube for as long as I can think back to it now. But but I agree with you. Like, you know, that's become more and more of a thing and more and more people are watching those and more and more people are on with streamers. And when a new game comes out, you've got all the streamers you know, playing the game, and with with like a Call of Duty or with like a Destiny, it's not a big deal for the for the developer because yeah, it does just serve to, um, you know, to to spread the word about the game and you know do all that good stuff. But you know, when you when you're dealing just back on my wavelength, when you're dealing with a strong single-player game that you know is mostly story with supporting gameplay as opposed to mostly gameplay with supporting story you've got a bit of an issue if it's all just hanging out there on the interwebs because I can pay $79 to see that story come to its conclusion, or I can forego the turn-based stuff and just watch the game being played. You know, it's, it's an interesting point, and I wonder, I wonder, I do, if it's going to, you know, impact the amount of single-player gaming we see or the amount of, amount of companies that are interested in doing a story-based game when it can be spoiled so easily.
1: um yeah you know it's funny because you look at as uh, gaming as a spectator sport it didn't really take form uh you know until recent years you know other than your best buddy sitting beside you you look at everything else that 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 is you know spectated i think in general like whether it be sports or racing or any of that stuff it almost was incepted as you know the idea there'd be performers and spectators i think you know, this is one of those interesting genres that it sort of slowly morphed into a spectation event,
0: which yeah, is fascinating. That's a really interesting distinction because, yeah, you 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 open up the interweb for any dude with like a PlayStation to, you know, show people what he's doing and to bring you along for his couch. And suddenly it's it's no longer like, oh, you know, my neighbor has the game. I'll go over and watch it. It's like everybody's your neighbor and they're all coming over to watch it at once, you know? um anyway it's yes persona i can see why i understand why maybe there there was a a desire for that not to be um not to be broadcasted over twitch but uh boy i watched i I gotta tell you it was it was a a youtube video that finally convinced me to play the game so yeah you can make a, a case on both sides makes sense Mm-hmm. 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 So, um, before we go to the smoke sesh here, I did, something did kind of catch my attention. Uh, Destiny has had a little bit of a, a little bit of a, of a fluff since that, um, a fluff, <laughs> an, up, an uproar, let's call it a gentle rising tide since the, uh, since the DLC, uh, DLC drop. Do you want to touch on that a little bit?
1: Uh, yeah. You know, another sort of drop in the pond in terms of, uh, you know, DLC mechanics, you know, all, all this, uh, all, a, a lot's going on around the idea of what you get for what you pay for. So, uh, you know, with the, the recent contact, uh, content curse of Osiris, um, you know, players were a little bit of a shock. The ones that held off buying the DLC, because what they found was some of the content that they had, were uh, able to access pre DLC drop, they weren't able to access post DLC drop it. Mm. Um, I, You know, as sinister as that sounds, being locked out of activities that you got in the base game, I think that at the core of it, it was a little bit of an honest mistake, um, you know, uh, made with not the worst intentions. Essentially, you know, just to uh, give you a brief overview, there's a power a light level um, in Destiny. So the cap, I believe, was 305 in the original content. and for the hard mode stuff, the prestige, they call it. So the hard mode raid, which is the end game, the hard mode nightfalls, it meant that you had to be um, 305 really to, or 300 to access it. Well, when they dropped the new DLC, they actually raised that cap to 330 or 325. And I, I think the intention was because those were supposed to be end game activities um, you know, you need to be sort of the end game light level, but it meant that people that hadn't bought bought the DLC weren't able to raise their light levels um, past that cap and thus were
0: locked out of those events. And oh, okay. So it's like a like a dungeon that you could go to before, or a strike or whatever it's called in Destiny, that you could go to before. Now that the DLC is there, it's been spiffed up so that there's new items and shit, the drops from it, the enemies are harder, whatever, but you can't go to it unless the DLC is purchased. <laughs>
1: Well, and it's not that you can't go to it. You can't go to it in the hard mode. Now, that also got further uh, complicated when there, there's um, sort of weekend events, um, whether it be uh, their limited-time PvP events, Iron Banner, and uh, uh, Trials of the Nine. They've also found themselves locked out of those. Um, oh, So I see. There, there was a, an immediate and understandable sort of freak out from the player base, and um, Bungie, for the most part, has rolled all that back they went uh you know essentially okay uh the curse of uh the the curse of osiris um maps when they because every week the trials of the nine and the uh uh these folks is on a specific map so if it's a curse of osiris map you need to have the um the the, the expansion to play that week, and I think it's every, once every four weeks it'll be one of those maps. Right. Um, and also, uh, they backed off on the... Um, uh, I believe it's the the Nightfalls, but the raid, you still will have to... Uh, the new raid content on Prestige, you'll still have to... Um, get the Curse of Osiris. So they backed off on about 75% of it um, and, and sort of held their ground with 25, which is a pretty fair compromise. Um, you know, among a little bit of the other uh, uh, criticisms that have centered around the, the Curse of Osiris expansion, uh, you know, Bungie's been pretty good at listening to the player reaction. And I, I, on the the meter of, of, of company behavior, I put this on the less than sinister side. Yeah. Um, you know, did they did they want to incentivize buying um, Curse of Osiris and make you feel like you got your money's worth? Um, yes. Um, can you ever successfully take things away from gamers that they already had and not have something it blow up in your face? Never.
0: No, that's that's true. <laughs> I mean, so that's that's ex- I think you hit the nail on the head. For me, and I, I'm kind of calling because. The internet's been in a bit of an uproar about this. I'm calling bullshit on that a little bit. I don't care what kind of hate that garners because it really feels more like a misstep than an intentional money grab, you know? On paper, it looks bad. Oh, I had this content before, and now, you know, maybe I'm a little bit slower at leveling up or maybe whatever. I didn't want to buy the DLC right now because I can't afford it or whatever, and I can't play this strike that I already had previously. Um, Yeah, I mean, that, that that sounds bad. And at the same time, I don't know, man, like... I like the idea that you would take a previously available piece of content and update it so that when you get to the maximum level cap, which let's be real, that's what these games are about. This is an MMO style game without a monthly subscription, right? So you've got someone going to the end game and now I can actually continue to play those strikes. It's not invalid. It's not a scenario where, you know, we created this content and used it for two months and now, you know, you don't have any reason to go there anymore. I like the idea that they tried to update it and can Keep it relevant so you've got more things to play at Endgame, right? Um, So, you know, that to me feels more important. I'm not being insensitive to someone who maybe can't, you know, afford the game or whatever. I get their gripe. But to me, it's almost like, again, this is in the vein of a subscription style game and to play the end game content which again is kind of the goal of these types of games it feels fair that you would buy the dlc as it comes out that's almost like your subscription being paid all at once i don't know maybe maybe i'm off base on this one but that's just my personal feeling oh anyway man lots of lots of stuff to think about in that realm but um tell you what why don't we uh boy we've gone long on this one why don't we head over to the old smoke sesh Shiver me timbers, friend. Wow, that was, a, that was a beefy front of the podcast. We, we got into it. We got, <laughs> we got into a lot of conversation, and with, uh, we got into very little weed, so I think we should probably course correct right away.
1: I like your style. Yeah, Let's no kidding. No kidding.
0: All right, man. So, uh, yeah, welcome to the smoke sesh there, friends out in Purple Dungeon Squidland, where Dan and I are going to be teeing off two different strains. Um, what are you smoking on today, my good man? Oh, I have some nice, nice, uh, it's a hybrid called Headband. You ever heard of Headband? I've not heard of Headband, but I'm going to search for it on Leafly, and you're going to search for what I've got, which is orange cookies on Leafly, and uh, we're going to do the whole thing where I do my uh, assessment, you do yours, and then we'll read read each other Leafly. How about that? I like it. I like it too. We I dude, I've also got the sickest Oh, the sickest munchie for for today. So, um oh, I'll talk about it in a minute. Okay. So, uh, why don't you talk why don't you talk me through your headband, friend? Wait, you got a nice nug there or what? I have a snug nug. Snug nug, a bug nug. Uh
1: yeah, nice tight bud, really 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 dark. actually. It's um like a hunter green. The hairs are 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 almost looking dark purple in this light. And dark brown and uh, getting a nose on it. Ooh, it has that lemon and that that diesel smell all over it, and earthy, 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 like 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 potter's plant earth, and not sharp at all. I, you can smell how smooth this this thing is going to be, and for a sativa dominant hybrid, um, you know it. It really, really does smell um, gentle. Uh, I, th- I can tell this is going to be a nice, creamy smoke.
0: Hmm. Nice. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Well. So. Okay. So, looking at this orange cookies, um, you know, I don't know. Mu- I don't know much about cookies. I haven't. I haven't actually ever consumed Girl Scout cookies uh, or any of its various hybrids. It's super popular right now. You know, I'm in a group on Instagram. One dude was just t- talking to me about how, um, how. You know, cookies shatter is like his favorite shatter of all time. Like everybody's talking about cookies, uh, never had it before. This specific orange cookies is, as you might expect, um, a little bit orange. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Uh, looking at the leaves, really frosty, crumbly, almost. Um, the yeah, the there's there's like a a pleasant, almost candy like texture to it. It feels almost like. Um. Ooh, what's a good example? Oh, it's like almost fudgy a little bit, right? And there, this, this, these crystals are just coming off of it, and uh, these trichomes are just coming off of it in sheets. Um. Again, nice tight nug. Uh, if I'm breaking it open a little bit, though, I'm seeing inside almost like a sea, like a deep sea foam green kind of situation going on. Some tinges of orange. You know, the hairs are are nice, kind of brown orange to be expected, but the smell. So I, I gotta, I mean, I gotta say it. I gotta say that it definitely has a citrus note to it. It's, it's definitely got like a deep glass of orange juice kind of scent. Um, I'm getting a little bit of chocolatiness too, like a, like a vanilla e chocolate. Um, it, it's almost like licking a white Cadbury, But <laughs> you know, like the, the, the white part in the Cadbury cream egg, the cream. The cream part of the cream. It's like dipping my tongue into that is the same kind of scent sensation I've got going on in my nose. So quite unique. And um, yeah, I mean, sweetness. Sweetness is definitely there. So, ooh, I'm excited to give that a go. Let me uh, let me take a look here. You can go ahead and spark up the headband while I'm reading about it. Um, Meat headband. The love child of cannabis's power couple, OG Kush and Sour Diesel. Ooh, he's got some bubbles going there. This smooth, creamy smoke is accented. Oh, wh- powerful. Accented by flavors of lemons and diesel. Oh, there you go. Right on the money, Dan. While the long lasting effects are great for pain relief, helping you to relax. <laughs> and to combat elevated stress levels. Many report that the effects create a slight pressure around the crown of their head and feels as though they have been wearing a headband. The effects have been known to come on <laughs> slow, so pace yourself with this potent hybrid. Okay, so good to know. Uh, Microdose in this scenario. Um, man, I, I, so do you have some experience with this strain before? Because you you'd literally nailed the whole flavor profile. Um, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make
1: a lot of... Uh, um mystery about what it's about. Um, it's it's the nose is so clear on it, um, and I do sure. know. I did know it was a a a a, a Kush mixed with a Sativa because it is a uh, in this case a hybrid. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: so th- there is a lot of hints along the way. You know what I'm saying? I got Cause, you. Uh, okay. Because this guy is I believe is a blend of sour diesel and OG Kush. OG. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's, there's the, the qualities are there. It's a, a marriage of the two.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you nailed it, man. It's an earthy diesel citrusy strain. So, you know, you, uh, you got that one there. Um, and donut Holstein says very versatile strain has two different highs to it. One when it's consumed in low doses and one when in high doses. I actually find that about a lot of weed. Um, you know, the micro dosing and I, I actually prefer to micro dose. It's actually another thing that Leafly was talking about in their little being a productive stoner thing is, uh, you know, you can really get the nuances of a strain when you smoke a little bit of it. Um, whereas if I, I find if I smoke a lot of any specific strain, it all kind of just feels like being real high. You know what I mean? I do. And, uh, you know, I, I, I tended to take little bits as well. Definitely
1: the euphoria is rolling over me feel a little bit of lightness in my chest. And I don't know if it's because we talked a bit, if I can feel a little bit of that tightness around that crown, a little bit of the headband. Oh, so a I... little
0: bit of the headband. A little bit of the headband. Sorry, Ben, I, I, I cut you off with the headband assessment. <laughs> I think you just landed where you need to land. Yeah, well, landing on the clouds, clouding on the landing. Um, I got myself a new Sherlock pipe, so I'm excited to give this guy a try today. This is Sherlock, that one that always finds out what's going on. It gets to the truth of the matter. Or? It's it's a it's a discerning pipe. Um, yeah, no, it's a nice little nice little borosilicate glass uh, Sherlock. It's about four inches, so a nice little compact guy can fit in my pocket. What I love about it is it has this built-in honeycomb screen. So I, I just I for some reason. And I have this mental block around smoking off of metal screens. I know that it doesn't; it's not an issue, but like for me, it, I don't love it. This honeycomb screen inside, I believe, is made of the you know the same kind of glass, and so it actually you know props up your your flower. What I found about this Sherlock pipe, um, and I've not smoked out of one before, so I was pleasantly surprised. It keeps a cherry like no other pipe I've ever had. Lighting really? it, yeah, lighting it means that I light it once. I light it once. And it, it's, yeah, just no, no issues whatsoever. So I'm, I'm quite fond of it. Here we go. Why don't, you, uh, why don't you read me up on orange cookies? You got it, Captain. All right. So um, orange cookies. Sorry, let me
1: get into my reviewer voice. <clears throat> orange cookies, bred by Francine, franchise genetics, is a hybrid that combines orange juice with the renowned Girl Scout cookies. A flavor-packed strain... Orange cookie expresses itself with a strong aroma of sweet citrus that closely resembles a fresh tangerine. The, <laughs> the flavors of orange cookies gives way to deep, calming body effects that mingle with the euphoric cerebral
0: buzz to leave you happy and relaxed. Oh my goodness. I feel like I've just exhaled a creamsicle. So I, uh, I pulled just a little bit. Again, I'm inside, so I typically don't like to blow like a big cloud. Um, when I'm when I'm sitting at my kitchen table here, but I took a little little puff, held it in deep, and then slowly exhaled through my nostrils. And oh, it was a beautiful flavor, bright, really uh, really bright, really creamy. What a wonderful sensation. Hmm. So what are the uh, what are the uh, what are the dominant uh, flavors? Well, um, well, if I scroll down here, what
1: you got there is number one, citrus, number two, orange, number three, sweet.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and you definitely touched on that. You, d- you definitely got on the candy side of this, but I knew what that mm. was about. You said citrus, and did a tangerine come through you, either on the palate or in the nose?
0: Um, you know what? I just, I got to be honest. The, the, the distinction between tangerine and orange is lost on me. I, I don't get that. So uh, it's uh, it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I would say a generally orangey flavor, and we'll, we'll probably have to leave it at that.
1: <laughs> so he, he, here's the thought. You know, it, it, right now we're reviewing, uh, you know, weed in the same way that maybe you would review wine. We talk about flavor notes. We sample it. You know, we talk about microdosing, which is like the equivalent of like a swish and a spit into a bucket. You know, <laughs> it just so happens that like the topic is kind of cool right now. It's so hot right now, right? We're legalizing it. It's a big deal. Businesses. You know, discovering it. What happens in ten years? Let's let's shorten it up. Five years. If we're still doing this podcast, instead of being the edgy uh, commentators that we may or may not be, we're then like we're then like gentlemen that are doing the equivalent of like discussing wine.
0: Oh yeah, real stuffy, real stuffy. Like I right? think we're we like, may like, already have. We, it, already, we may already have transcended into stuffy. <laughs> oh let's man, be real here.
1: And I feel like I feel like you and I will get on like this—a verbal drag race where, like, no, I will say
0: the more pretentious thing about this bud. No, it is <laughs> me. I will be the one. I'm not detecting a hint of citrus. It is a Meyer lemon, Daniel. Get your get your tasting profile uh, under wraps. I, I think we have to like have like a understood sort of.
1: Um, uh, structure to these that you get to say one totally ridiculous thing and you try to like uh, mix it in with the real things you're like you're like in the middle you're like ah it's a like a deep rich earth and uh hints of chamomile uh and uh perhaps perhaps uh someone stepped in it with a kind of fungus on their foot that gave it almost a cheese like venturing you're like no not a thing not a thing not a thing thing. that Uh... one that's the one
0: that's a, gonna wizard, a
1: wizard looked upon this. A wizard gazed
0: upon it once upon a time, and it was but a mere sproutling. Yeah, it's a uh, boy. Oh, I, I got to say, uh, the things that will make bud tenders bristle. Um, we've also got, dude, we've got the, do you have a munchie today? I, I brought a munchie. I, I brought snack to snack time.
1: I have, I have a little something. I got a little hook,
0: a little okay, hook we, of flavor. We got to remember not to chew directly into the mic again. Oh, that's, that's podcast death. Right that's, there. By, that's and it's happened twice. So may I may I share my snack first? Yeah, please. So I got a Cadbury Dairy Milk, but it was from the UK store, which is like it should be a. I, I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. It's basically a normal candy store, except they put a big British flag out front. And when you roll in, all the candies are as if they were from Britain. Uh, and I actually did a little bit of research on this because for some reason, when you eat a Cadbury Dairy Milk. It tastes way better when it comes from this freaky-deaky Brit- British store than it does from, like, your corner store here in Canada. Turns out that in Britain, there's more cocoa mass in the chocolates that they produce in uh, under mass production there. So I don't know if it's a Cadbury thing or if it's an in-general thing, but there's a h- higher level of cocoa mass, which means you get a much more chocolatey chocolate. Ah, oh, fascinating. And so this you- is... You said they are as if they're from England. Are they not, in fact, from England? They are factually from England. I have nothing further to say. <laughs> they're, fact- uh, they're definitely from England. It's, it's interesting because
1: their, their candies, chocolates specifically, tend to be a little bit sweeter than they have them in the U.S., and that's something that people, people notice. They go, oh, it's our, our sweets are a little sweeter than yours. Um, oh. You know, but it's interesting that they also have more cocoa. That's a fascinating thing. So your yeah. Cadbury egg might indeed be a creamier version. It's enough that they bring it over, right? Because you only have that if they're like, oh, it's not quite the same. You know how you can get sugar cane, Coca-Cola, um, you know, the closer you get to Mexico because they pre- uh, that was what was served there classically. And that might be what they prefer. And in fact, you can get it in my neighborhood because for um, certain Jewish holidays, they don't have... They don't have the, the kind of sugar they put in normal Coke, so they have the sugar cane uh, oh. uh, Coke. And sampling it, you know what I noticed, Andy? What's that? Is, is that it leaves my mouth feeling dry. Conversely, Coke of uh, the kind that you and I are used to with high fructose quartz syrup, it co- coats your mouth in this nice syrupy blanket that, that, doesn't, like, it, that has that crisp
0: finish that I noticed normal sugar doesn't. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I, every time I drink Coke, it it makes my teeth feel like they're rotting out of my head.
1: Yeah, don't drink it with your teeth.
0: Um, yes, m- mostly with your mouth. You might be you might be ready for a silly straw. I mean. Yeah, yeah. One of those one of those little squigglers. Um, but so this this dairy milk this dairy milk. It's the flavor is called Tiffin. I don't know what in the actual fuck a Tiffin is. T-I-F-F-I-N. That is That is that is a British word if I've ever seen it. Oh, right in the Tiffin. Oh, but he bopped him in the Tiffin, did he? He bopped him in the Tiffin. Well, we're going to take a trip around the neighborhood and with the, the Tiffin. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not that last one. The Tiffin. A Tiffin is
1: like... Not a noun. The, or maybe it is a tea, noun. It's the tea party you throw to like resolve a, a previous argument. Oh, they're, they're going to a Tiffin. Yes.
0: They're going to talk very... that Tiff out. They're, they're very, uh, very specific. So uh, I'm going to open it. This, so this dairy milk chocolate bar, apparently it has an easy reclose pack. I don't know if this is going to get reclosed at any point. Um, Ooh. All right. Let's give it a break. Oh, it's got a nice kind of milky interior. Uh, broke very, it's very fudgy. I'm telling you normal dairy milk, not this by normal. I mean, American dairy milk, not this fudgy. Let me take a bite. I still don't know what the fuck a tiffin is. Now on a so, scale on a scale of 1 to 10 Andy, how good is this?
1: How good a, is this on the podcast? You really got me there with fudgy and creamy.
0: Oh yeah. Mm. All right, in real time, this tastes like delicious chocolate. I still don't know what a fucking tiffin is. I think there's little like pieces of cookie in here. Maybe that's what it's, a tiffin is, like a t- like a like a, a kind of cookie? Is it a maritime bird found only in the Bay of Fundy? It's a um
1: it's, uh, it's a it's a whale watcher. It's um it's if you get two less than the guy playing ahead of you in golf on a particular hole, like oh, no matter what he nice. got, he's like five. He's like, oh Tiffin, Tiffin,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm too ahead of that. you. I'm too ahead of you. Like I want to go back for another square, but I don't want to eat another square on 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 air here. So and guess... one of somebody's dad
1: just like high fived somebody else because he's like. They made a they made a golf joke on this podcast. I knew they would if I would just hang around. They're like, I'm 50. I play golf. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like they got they they're getting me with some of this. hitting me with that golf joke. I'm already that's
0: a hole in one with me because my name's Ron. Right in the hole, one one <laughs> shot one shot. Oh God, bless my soul. Um, yeah, we went so long in the front half that uh, we the, the back half has turned into more of a 16th.
1: It's true. We've, we have to we have to chop it down. But let me assure you, it's nothing you did, uh, oh. audience. Audience. It, it's it's uh, us. It's us. It's
0: it's hundred. It's, it's hundred percent us. So can I uh, regale wow, you with what we found
1: on what I found for a snackological element here?
0: Oh, I'm sorry. You found a munchie too. Please, please tell me all about it. So I don't. I can't confirm whether or not this is an import,
1: but I do believe it's come from the North Pole. It is a candy cane. Oh, please
0: tell me more.
1: And it's a candy cane of unknown flavor. Um, it is white with a green spiral, which indicates to me not poss- potentially not your standard candy cane. Um, not mint. So I'm going to pop it in, and I'm
0: going to see if I how how long it takes me to get there. Interesting. Yeah. So it would suggest that it's not a mint candy cane. Now there's many different types. Like you can you can get watermelon candy canes. You can get cinnamon candy canes. Andy, um, you got it in one. This what? is a watermelon candy. You, no. You got it in yep, you got it in one, buddy. You're that a, was you... a that was a psychic moment. I should either buy a lottery ticket or start a television show where you can call me for three ninety nine, and I can dress up like a like a old fortune teller. Oh man. Anyway, we got to bring this freight train into the station, my friend. But I, I, before we go, I wanted to ask you. Um, I saw this the other day. Thought of you. Uh, did you see that Darkest Dungeon has an expansion coming out next year?
1: Yeah, I uh, I saw that. That's what is it? Alien Crash?
0: Yeah. Oh, you did see it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I, so I think this is the first DLC that's come out for Darkest Dungeon. Um, is it the first? No, they did one uh, a
1: character expansion where you could get you got a shield bearer. Um, mm-hmm. There's a new class. I didn't I didn't play it, but this this one's got some content attached to it, right? Darkest Dungeon, of course, being the uh, rogue-like, you know, uh, delving into uh, eldritch evil and uh, and uh, you know rebuilding a town.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and what's cool about it is that I know it's got this um, Lovecraft Cthulhu kind of angle. They're actually adding alien zombies. That's their new twist on it. So I don't know how that kind of meshes with like. When I saw Darkest Dungeon, it seemed like it had kind of a Victorian feel to it, right? So Alien Zombies to me feels feels like a pretty pretty far departure from that.
1: You know what? Would I you... I like what they've implied with their with their choices of creatures. Because if you're like you got aliens to zombies, you're like, wait, are you saying those individually, or are you saying like the range? Like it's like you're getting A to Z, and Oh, they just throw like a ton. Shut up. You.
0: So that, right? so I'll tell you what. Someone had a board meeting over at whatever the fuck company makes this goddamn game, and they <laughs> and they were like, "Well, well, well this could be really clever. No one's gonna get it, but wouldn't it be cool if we had aliens to zombies in our game?" Leave it to fucking Dank Dan throwing down the A to Z. Wow, look at you, friend. You clever, got me on you that clever fox. They got me on that literary tip, and <laughs> I couldn't say no. And they I stuck their literary tip into your back bib. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, it's podcast gold. That's <laughs> all you need. <laughs> Listen, man, you know, what can I say? Orange cookies. Uh do, do you like Darkest Dungeon enough to pick it up or what?
1: Yeah, you know, um, I think it's it would be fun to play through that stuff as long as the content was interesting interesting. It's not a game that like tells a jaunty story. You only get dialogue when you go into and out of dungeons and it's like um, and actually through it you hear the the mat your the master's voice, your your uncle who's disgraced he's got like this deep gravelly voice, so he'll say things as you enter a dungeon. He's like, Now you will know the extent of my shame. And I'm like, Ooh. Are you telling a story of but zombies and aliens or uh, you know, through that voice? I'm like, I wonder how you're gonna get that done. Are you <laughs> gonna thread that needle? Um, you know, but it's it speaks to that somber tone and you know what I'm a sucker for it, so I'll go see what they what they're laying down.
0: Yeah, okay, I feel that. You know what? You know what is decidedly not a fit? What's that? There's going, there's going to be a live-action Pokemon movie, and Ryan Reynolds is playing Pikachu. What just stop. F- just, what is just happening stop. here? It's is is the it craziest be, thing I've ever seen. Is Does it going to be rated R, Andy? Is it going to be should, rated R? <laughs> it should be rated no one. It should be rated for, for no one. It's a live action, so Great Detect... Okay, here's, here's the scoop from P- Kotaku. Great Detective Pikachu, the name of, the, uh, the, name of the, 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 the movie. It's a video game released in Japan in 2016. You play as a regular kid walking around trying to solve mysteries, only you're accompanied by Pikachu who can now talk and wears a Sherlock Holmes hat. Here's the questions. That game sounds weird, but fine. But who the fuck decides that that A needs to be made into a movie and B has the budget to hire Ryan Reynolds? How does this happen? Um, you know what?
1: I, I I get it. And it's like two things. It's like the key elements are it was re- this move. This game was released only in Japan. Yes. And the only way I would go watch it is if they dress Pikachu up like Deadpool. If I can do that, I'm in. I will pay for that downloadable content. Um, yeah. You know, but you know what somebody pitched that? They're like, Ryan, it's going to be voiceover work. You don't even have to show up to do dad's cool stuff because it's you're, you're uh, talking, you know, mouse
0: creatures like an in. Yes, um, there you go. Here's a question. Pikachu doesn't say words, no, right? He no, doesn't, he doesn't say words, which is so unnerving. Because Pikachu, you got to remember, Pikachu's been around for about 20 years, right? Like Pikachu is like a pretty old cartoon that's deep in the heart of many, you know, many uh, now millennial. And The idea of Pikachu moving his mouth and saying human words is decidedly disconcerting. Not into that. That's the stuff of nightmares and broken dreams. (laughs) Uh, Here's my question. What is Ryan Reynolds actually doing in
1: this role? I assume it's a CGI character. Yeah. And they're, are, they're not going to have
0: him say Pikachu a bunch of times, are they? No, he's going to be talking. I, like, I just, I, honestly, man, I feel like I'm having a stroke reading this article. I just I, no, Nothing about this makes sense. It all feels very upsetting. You I know, just... life, life trolling you is not when somebody
1: puts up an image and says, Ryan Reynolds is going to be in the Pikachu movie and you're like, you know, you're like, Horse shit, this is a troll. Ho- like, trolling in life is when that's true. And you're like, how is that true? How is that a thing?
0: How is that a real fucking reality? Did life th- just reality? just troll me
1: with what's what's happening here? <laughs> I'm. It's not clear to me what's going to be produced. If it's Ryan Reynolds coming out of Pikachu, yes, it's going to feel like it's a, you're like having a stress dream. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Funny, I am having a stress dream about Ryan. I'm going to just shut this this screen. I got to get this taco article out of here. Are you it's looking? Polluted. Are you? Are you it's looking polluting at it? my browser. I'm seeing Ryan Reynolds fucking eyeball. He's looking to the left right now, like he just shit his pants and wondering if the guy next to him noticed. Fuck that's you, a, Ryan Reynolds.
1: That's a look of guilt, and maybe I'm sorry. You know, I don't
0: mean. I don't mean. I mean. I don't mean to be so harsh on this guy. I mean, I'm sure he's a regular Purple Dungeon Squid listener. So you know, I'm sorry, buddy. But just the the Pikachu thing is let's just let's just not let's, let's, let's not do it and say we did. How about that?: You know what? He does so many physical movies. he's like, "I don't have to actually be on screen. It's
1: a voiceover gig. He's like, "I'm
0: in. He's in right he could, he could He could yeah. be literally anything. He could be the ghost of Mother Teresa sending Sputnik off into space while lighting herself a flame. and if it was voiceover, no problem. That's okay. Um, And you know
1: what? Deadpool is one of those characters that they can CGI to. So he better get used to voiceover work because I think he does a fair amount of it on the Deadpool movie, which was great.
0: Yeah. And then he can shit his pants in the comfort of his own home while he records these fucking (sighs) terrible movies. I I think it's half the fun to do it with people like like, you know what I mean? Like if he wasn't famous, he
1: would still get on the bus and drop a, a big old dookie of a movie just so people could see
0: it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All righty. Well, on that note... That's perfect. <laughs> listener questions folks, or games once again,
1: e- folks, once again, we are advertiser-friendly. I mean, get on this wagon. Please get
0: in here. Get in here. We uh, <laughs> Please, GoDaddy just sent me a nice big bill. Uh, sh- you know, SoundCloud is eating up all of our lunch money. If you want to just throw a couple bucks at us, <laughs> we'll talk about your product no matter what it is.
1: Well, there's more begging...
0: Uh, in person too so once you reach out to us the begging will continue I, I feel like there's like out there there's like a mattress conglomerate that wants us to talk about their fucking mattress and they're willing to throw a couple a couple hundred bones at us for that that's okay hey, hey I'll sleep on a, on a mattress that's named
1: after any ghost any ghost that you can think of I'll sleep on that mattress
0: pull it out of your hat friend pull it out of your hat listener questions or games you want us to play shoot us an email at purple dungeonsquid at gmail.com Recommend us to a friend because, you know, we need people to listen to this in order for us to continue uh, making bad puns and talking too deeply about uh, topics uh, pertaining to the Conversely, if you don't love the gold that we're putting out on here on a a daily basis, by daily, I mean weekly, um, you know, recommend it to your worst enemy. What what could go wrong? Recommend it to any of those people ignorant enough to tell you that... Boy, I just can't keep a thought. All right. Where'd you go? You went to Venus, didn't you, my man? (laughs) Venus and back, my friend. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at PurpleDungeonSquid. Until next time. Keep it dank, friends.
1: (laughs) Fuck, I am high.